pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy and realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping Yahweh our God, for he is our creator and we belong to him. We are the people of his pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy. And realize what this really means. We have...
Amen. Are you excited to be in church tonight? It's Wednesday night refreshing. Amen. So when you come to Wednesday night refreshing, your goal is that you leave refreshed. That's what's going to happen tonight. Amen. So Father, we just thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for for bringing us here safely. We thank you for this environment that it is protected and covered by the blood of Jesus. And Lord, we're here tonight to be refreshed from your word, to be refreshed by your presence, and to worship you in spirit and in truth. So we thank you, Father, for an awesome night with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. We are a chosen generation.
Signature worship team. Two announcements, or maybe three. <laughs> this weekend is a power packed weekend for the women. We have woven on Friday night at six o'clock. So, women of victory, come on out. That's ages 12 and up. And then on Sunday, we have our women's book club, and that's at 12:30 to 2. So come on out for that. We have a great time of fellowship. And we have food and books. It makes a great combination. (laughs) Okay, that was two. So the next one to announce, because I said two or maybe more, right? (laughs) I want to announce September 24th, we will be celebrating Pastor Doug and Dr. Fiona's 21 years of being pastors at Victory Christian Fellowship. Hallelujah. So stay after service and celebrate together. That's all my announcements tonight. It's good to be in God's house. Amen. We like to celebrate around here. I find celebrating God's goodness as a it's a slap in the devil's face. So if you can't do it physically, it's good to do it. <laughs> the action that celebrate God's goodness. Amen. I was wondering why the crowd was so small. And then I remember there's a open house tonight. Uh, I think for the 
elementary school, isn't there? Yeah. So we do this uh, school program in the middle of the week, and so we like to have a representation there whenever they're having their open house. So we already spoke in, uh, I already spoke in Hershey that the stuff happens not on Wednesday nights. So that's happened this year. So we got to speak it in Palmyra. They shouldn't interfere with our stuff. <laughs> you know, in the Bible, everything worked around the church, the synagogue, all the whole marketplace, everybody operated. So we've been speaking that in our environment, and I think we need to activate it again. Yeah, we're not here to work the world's agenda. We're here to work God's agenda. Amen? Well, we have offering time. You know my take on offering. If you're a giver, you know what to do. If you're not a giver, it's good for you to give. How about that? (laughs) Um, For the givers, you know, when you try to tell the givers all the reasons why you should give, they get a bit upset because they're like, it's obvious. It would be like teaching, uh, you know, an adult the ABCs when they've already gone through high school. So, but for those who don't have that gift or that inclination, unless they have a reason to give, then here's your reason. (laughs) We're here in the building. (laughs) We're worshiping God. (laughs) And the Bible tells us part of worship is to give. Um, And then also Pastor Doug is in India, um, teaching the word of God to um, Bible school students who will go out and start new works or, um, or help grow the work of their, their local church that they came from. I believe this group, he has 29 students, I believe, in this group. I think the group before was 40 or something. So, and then um, he's connected quite a few uh, ministers together that he's traveled to three different locations, so he brought them all together, like they know each other now and it's great. So uh, that's what he's doing while we're here. Amen. So those of you who've given into that, you're there too. And you're, you are part of that. And, um, you know, the devil can't stop what God wants done. The question is, are you going to go with God or are you going to get sidetracked by where the devil put obstacles in the way? You know what I'm saying? So um, don't uh, lower your giving to accommodate living. Tell your living to get lower so you can, uh, you can grow your giving. Amen? So, so that's my offering spiel. Okay. Do we have kids live tonight? I think we do, right? We have kids live tonight. Let's cheer our kids off. <laughs> Amen. And so now the note says, they have to put a note up here for me so I remember what to do. <laughs> I should preach. Now is when I preach. So (laughs) I'm going to preach, but let's pray for us. Father, we thank you for tonight. We give you praise, honor, glory. We magnify your name. We make your name bigger than any other name. We, We give you highest praise than anything, anyone, any occasion that we've praised this week. We thank you, Lord, that you are set apart in our life, that no one else gets to touch that relationship that we have with you. It is our priority. It is our joy to have a relationship with you, Father. Individually, as people in this place tonight, or people at the sound of my voice, but also as this church, as this house that you have created here, that you've prepared here, Father, this house is set apart from any other house in this community, from any other house 
that we know that we represent, Father. This is your house. And in this house, miracle signs and wonders happen. In this house, questions are answered. In this house, we find solutions from your kingdom. And so tonight, Father, I speak that every other spirit must stop and stop and desist from operating first. No other voice has permission to speak here but the voice of the Holy Ghost. And I thank you, Father, that we will hear something we've never heard, see something we've never seen, and get revelation knowledge we've never gotten before from your throne room, Father. Individually to us, we speak this out into the atmosphere. And we have faith that it will happen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, now you can go home. That was good, wasn't it? (laughs) Tonight, my message is called Feelings. Examine your feelings to evaluate what you believe. Now, Pastor Doug will probably never preach a message on feelings, so I'm going to preach it. (laughs) One of the things that we're known for, especially in the word of faith circle, is you don't go by your feelings, right? But the point is you have feelings, so let's talk about them. And let's decide what feelings we're going to go by, right? So first, before I get into scripture, let's define what I'm calling feelings so we all are on the same page. So everybody has the same perspective on the word feelings. Feelings, according to the psychology dictionary, which I believe the psychologists would have a patent on feelings. You go to them and they let you talk about your feelings. (laughs) So a self-contained phenomenal experience. Feelings are subjective. I want you to keep that in mind. Feelings are subjective evaluative and independent of the sensations, thoughts, or images evoking them. They are inevitably evaluated as pleasant or unpleasant. So feelings would either be good or bad feelings, right? Uh, But they can have more specific, a whole bunch of stuff here. We don't need to read all that. But let's define subjective and objective. Objective. Subjective is based on or influenced by personal feelings, tastes, or opinions. Objective is a person or their judgment not influenced by personal feelings or opinions, but they are influenced by facts. So an objective opinion is to listen to the facts and then make a decision, then have a feeling about it. A subjective opinion is to have a feeling about it that, that is just your personal opinion on the matter. It has nothing to do with the matter being presented. Okay? So when we talk about feelings, we're talking about something that is highly subjective to you and to me. For example, Pastor Doug is eating spicy foods. Now, his feelings about spicy food is that he can handle it. You may have a different feeling about the matter. <laughs> and because of that feeling, you will choose to, or to, to participate or not participate in eating of the food. It doesn't mean that the food is bad, 
but it means to you it is because it doesn't taste good because it's too spicy. You understand? But for somebody who has been eating that for all of their life, that might be mild. And when they eat your food, they might go, this isn't food. <laughs> this is tree bark, you know, because it has no taste. So that is completely subjective to the person having their own feelings and opinion about something. All right? Now, if we take this concept into consideration, we have to realize that our life that we're living with God is highly influenced by our feelings about God. It really is. This is why you would find somebody would be like, oh my gosh, God could do anything. He could do all these things. And then you're like, yeah, right. I asked him to do this and nothing happened. So your feelings about God on a certain subject might be different than somebody else's feeling. But wouldn't it be great if in this church and the people at the sound of my voice, we got in sync with how we felt about certain things about God. If we did that, what would happen to our community? Because we would all be of one mind concerning certain subject matters, now wouldn't we? So this is why the, the Lord told me to talk about feelings, and all he said was talk about feelings. I didn't really get much after that until I started preparing the message. So I, I, feel, like, I feel like there's something there for you to feel <laughs> about God. Whether you agree or not, it's going to be totally up to you. <laughs> so we're going to talk tonight about which feelings you should keep and which ones you should abandon. Because I want you to examine yourself. You should be in a constant state of examination. Um, so this isn't part of the message, but I'll give you a side note on this. You know how the Bible says to um, renew your mind every day? But it also says to arrest thoughts. And the thoughts we arrest are those that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. So that translates to this. Any thought that says it knows better than God. That's what you arrest. A thought is said to have known better about God if it's telling you that what the scripture says isn't true for you. That's a thought that's telling you it knows better than God for you. Because you remember in Genesis chapter 3, when the serpent talked to Eve, and when she told him what the scripture said, the equivalent of what God was telling them not to do is scripture, okay? It's the same as scripture for us, you understand? So when she was quoting the scripture to the serpent, this is why you don't have conversations with the devil, because it's, it's pointless, but... When she was quoting the scripture to when she was quoting the scripture to the devil, she misquoted it. Do you know she misquoted it? Genesis chapter three, she told him you shouldn't touch of the tree. God didn't tell her not to touch, he told her don't eat it. Right? And and the devil took that hook of what she misquoted and hooked her in and said, You won't die. So that was a thought that he sent to her that she accepted that says I know better than what God said would happen to you. That's how you know which thoughts to remove from your mind. I can't arrest your thoughts for you. You have to do them yourself. The question is, 
do they feel too good to arrest? And only you can answer that. Because again, your feelings are subjective. Okay? Now let's go to First um, Peter 2, 1. And it's just a scripture. I'm just going to tell you what it says. First Peter 2, 1, it says, Abandon every form of evil, deceit, hypocrisy, feelings of jealousy and slander. Okay. Do you know you can have feelings of evil thoughts towards people? It says, feeling, this is the Passion Translation, by the way. Feelings of jealousy and slander. Jealousy, you're not jealousing yourself and slandering yourself, are you? Yeah. If you think about how much somebody did you wrong... Are you going to feel all gooey, gooey and happy, happy about them? No, you're going to feel like you should tell somebody how terrible they are. And you will also feel jealous that they can move on with their life and act like nothing ever happened. I mean, am I wrong here? (laughs) Right? Isn't that what happens? Those are all feelings that stir up emotions that create mindsets that are completely against the word of God. There is nowhere in the Bible where there has been an exception to be able to do this. Nowhere. That is our instruction that we're allowed to do this. So you, you can figure this out for yourself. If you went to bed one night and somebody upset you that day, and you went to bed thinking about what they did, what happened, and how they were wrong, and you didn't mean to do what you did, and they did this anyway, and blah, blah, blah. Tell me, think back for a moment, and tell me, if you don't wake up in the morning with a cold, with sinus issues, feeling like your immune system is about to pop, tell me if you don't feel not so good when you wake up. You can examine for yourself and find it. You know why? Because the the thoughts are putting toxins in your body at the rate of your heart beating. This is a scientific, medical, researched fact. You can go look it up. I don't got time to teach all that, but I'm just going to give you the information, okay? Every time you have a negative thought, toxic chemicals are released through your bloodstream at the rate of a heartbeat. When you think on love, when you, the Bible tells us what to think on. Think on things that are pure. Why am I going through this? This isn't part of my notes. I got my song written here. First one, chorus one, verse two. This isn't in it. Somebody needs to hear this. When you think on love thoughts about people, then the chemicals going through your body are healing properties. At the rate of the beat of your heart. So somebody could try to make you mad in one moment and you could flip it in the next heartbeat. This is why I told you, I don't know what service it was, to read 1 Corinthians 13 and master it. Because that's how you flip the devil. In the moment, you just flip it right there. The devil could see you not see it not take. Because you flip it right there. 
Do you see? You carrying these things inside has done nothing to solve the problem. Nothing. All it does is complicate your life. Because you're generating feelings that are subjective to your mindset. Okay? Aren't you guys game church tonight? All right. <laughs> um, Jeremiah 29.11. Jeremiah 29.11. A very well-quoted scripture written on t-shirts and, and mugs, coffee cups, journals, <laughs> memes on Facebook and Instagram and all these places. People cheer it on. And here's what it says. This is, uh, I believe this is the Passion. I don't remember which version I put. Maybe not. This, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. The Lord thinks thoughts. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. When you think evil, the end is sub- subjected to the enemy you're thinking about. You create war in your mind that nobody else is with but you. You're having a fight with a person in your head. Let's let's lay it out on the table. Let's write the words down. I am fighting with this person in my head. (laughs) Today they won, but I'm going to win tomorrow. (laughs) How did they win today? Because I saw them and they looked at me just like I thought they would. See, I was right. So tomorrow now, when you go into the fight tomorrow, you bring more evidence that you're right. Nobody ever thinks thoughts that they're wrong. Nobody ever thinks thoughts that they're wrong and take it to the next day. If you think a thought that you're wrong, you repent right there. You say, I'm sorry, you do something about it, right? But the thoughts that you keep carrying over are the ones that you're thinking that you're right. Well, it's been 10 years. You're still wrong. <laughs> Do you see? It's evil. You are manufacturing evil results into your life by having these thoughts as your partners. Your feelings are subjective to these thoughts. You have created mindsets. And belief systems based on those thoughts. Okay, that was verse 1. Actually, that was course 1. Verse 1 was the, in case you don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I have this thing when I prepare a sermon, I only say the first line and then the rest is on the paper and I never do it. Well, I felt the urge that I need to give you the entire So you have everything I've prepared. And it dawned on me that when we sing a song and I lead worship, I sing all the verses and I sing all the choruses. I'm well capable of looking at the words and saying them. So I decided to prepare my sermons in song form. So on this paper I have verse 1, chorus 1, verse 2, chorus 2. This helps you too. It doesn't make it very long because it's a song. So... (laughs) Are you guys with me so far? Yes. All right. We're getting, I'm here to do surgery. Pastor Doug closes up the wounds 
and, and you get to be in the recovery room when Pastor Doug's here. When I'm here, I do all the intensive surgeries, and then he comes in right at the, you know, the time for recovery. He'll do all right. He'll do physical therapy with you, whatever is needed. But you know, for now, we need to get out the infection. Let's do this. Are we good? Everybody good? I, I am not pointing fingers at anybody, but I'm pointing fingers at the enemy and his way of getting into our life to cause chaos, and we don't know that's what's happening. And sometimes you may be thinking, well, I thought God loved me, and I pray about this, and it's not happening. It's not God's, it's not God's will that God come in and arrest thoughts for you. He can't do that for you. It, he would go against his own will. His will is that you do it because you are the one that's in charge of your mind. Nobody, if God struck the person dead, you would still be mad. You know why? Because you didn't get to say your last piece to them before they died. You'd be really mad. And you know what else? They didn't do what you wanted them to do anyway. They still didn't do what you wanted them to do. They died. How dare them? It's a, it's a lose-lose situation. So just quit it. <laughs> All right, now you can go home. All right. Um, let's go. We're in verse 2 of the song. This is a good song. Let's go to Psalm 119, verse 90. Psalm 119, verse 90. We're going to take it nice and slow and easy. We're going to ease the medicine. In. This is, I think this is where the morphine drops are coming in. <laughs> And, and Psalm uh, 119.90 says, and this is the Passion Translation again. I don't know if we have it back there, but I'll read it from here. Okay, the Passion. It says, your faithfulness flows from one generation to the next. All that you created sits firmly in place to testify of you. Now, here's my question to you. If you have not arrested thoughts of evil, especially towards people, and to yourself as well, do you know that you are passing that down to the people that you influence? And number one would be your children. Number two, your children's children. Number three, their children. Number four, the next You understand what I'm saying? And you are passing evil on when, in fact, the Bible says you should be passing faithfulness. You should be passing the faithfulness of God on. You cannot pass down criminal thoughts and love thoughts at the same time. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. You ever try to put drug dealers to live on the street and suburban family that are up, upstanding citizens living on the other side of the street, on the same street. Do you know what will happen after a while? We all see what happens, right? Well, you think the drug dealers are going to become upstanding citizens? <laughs> like, which one's going to flip here? Do you understand? You can't carry evil thoughts in your mind about something and expect the faithfulness, faithful, loving thoughts of God to flow in your mind. It ain't going to happen. You know what's going to happen? You're going to have faithful thoughts about God as events. Events. They're going to happen when, when something amazing happens. And you'll rejoice for that day. But the flowing effect of the faithfulness of God will not be experienced in your life. 
because of these evil thoughts about situations in life. Everybody's quiet. Psalm 119.94, same chapter, a couple of verses down. Lord, I'm all yours, yours, and you are my Savior. I have sought to live my life pleasing to you. Examine yourself to see if this is true. Our life is pleasing to God when the thoughts we think are pleasing to him too. Now, God ain't going to ditch anybody here. Let's just put that cap on. We're just doing surgery on one part. We're not cutting every organ out. (laughs) You know, when you go in the surgical room, they're just operating one little spot. I'm talking about your mind and how you're making feelings decisions tonight. Are we good? Are everybody all right? Okay. You didn't know you signed up for surgery, did you? OR1's working today. <laughs> the mass surgery. And then we have 119 verse 98. By considering your commands, I have an edge over my enemies. For I take seriously everything you say. You're never going to get an edge over your enemy if you have evil thoughts. Evil thoughts are powerless to win anything. And it doesn't win a single thing. Zip, zero, nada. What other language you know? Say it zero in that language. I fired somebody the other day. Because she was a thief and a narcissist. But one of her family members still works for me. But I wanted to examine her and see what she was like. They might be watching this, I don't know. But that person's never going to work for me again, ever. I think they think they are. So the family member that works currently reports everything to them that's happening at the workplace, everything, like. We know they're doing it. I mean, it's not like hidden. So my staff was reporting. I said, guys, listen. It's even better when the devil knows what, what the testimonies are. <laughs> it doesn't make him feel good at all. <laughs> Go ahead. Make sure they know the truth. You know, tell them all the details. Let them know all the blessings that are happening. Don't try to hide anything that God's doing. Lay it on thick. <laughs> Make sure they get all the right details. Give them pictures if they need it. (laughs) You see, we do the opposite. We try to hide what God's doing from us because we're afraid the devil will steal it or the devil will stop it or the devil. He can't. If your heart is clean, if your mind is right, you just, you won. You remember when Jesus was going to be crucified and he walked in the room and stuff, and he said, the son of perdition is coming, but he has nothing in me. You remember that? The devil had nothing in Jesus, so much so that he could not identify him among his disciples. Judas had to point out which one was Jesus. Do you see? You should be undetectable by the enemy because there's nothing inside of you the enemy can connect with. If somebody does you wrong when they come in your presence, they shouldn't feel embarrassed by you. They should be embarrassed by their own decisions and their own way they've been thinking about you. Do you see? 
it happens in a controlled factor. So if you're trying to make somebody do something and they're not complying, you're going to get mad. And you're going to start counting how many more chances they have. And then in your life, you've developed how many chances people get. And this is where you have an error too. You don't give the devil a second chance. If somebody's trying to kill you, don't give them a second chance to kill you. <laughs> cut them off. But if you don't know how love operates, you'll think if you cut them off that you're wrong. You're not wrong. If you do it in love, you're not wrong. If you do it in vengeance and I'm going to show you and I'm the boss and I'm over you, that's wrong. <laughs> you understand? But if you walk in love, you think about who you're protecting from this person. Who you're protecting from this event of ever happening to somebody else. Who, you, you, you know, Jesus did not allow the fig tree to live because it would have done the same thing it did to him to somebody else. Because when Jesus cursed the fig tree, he said, no man will eat of you anymore. That's what the curse was. You're not going to get to do this to somebody else. You see? He didn't ream out the tree and go on and on and point it out to the disciples. See this thing right here? <laughs> Big waste of time. Such a loser of a tree. He was about his father's business, but he stopped. The thing that couldn't produce, he, he cursed it and said, well, then if that's what you want to be, be that. Nobody else is going to get fooled by you, period, and moved on. He didn't sit around and wait for it to happen. When you sit around and wait for something to happen to your, for, to your enemy, that's revenge. We're almost done. The infection's coming out. <laughs> How do you feel about people that don't keep their commitment to God? Are you the commitment police of the Bible? Uh, Psalm 119, 113. Here's what it says. I mean, this is serious words right here. I despise those who can't keep commitments. <laughs> For I passionately love your revelation light. Okay, what I want you to know this in context of is the people who continually go against God should not get your loyalty in that matter. So you shouldn't be like, well, you know, I know their heart. Well, we all do. They just displayed it. <laughs> do you understand? You shouldn't be protective of someone that is blatantly against God and you think it's okay for them to do what they need to do because God loves everybody. Well, everybody gets a chance to go to heaven or hell. Everybody does. Every last one of the humans born on this earth, they will go to heaven or hell and God loves people. But the choice is up to them. You see? That's the love of God to give us the choice. That's where the love is. The love isn't protection from evil. The love is the choice to choose between God or evil. That's the choice. You see? So when we think we're being all holy and pious and Christian-like by just letting people slide with their disgusting, bad, evil behavior towards God... We're part of the problem. 
And if you walk away and just think that you don't have to say anything, even if it is into the atmosphere, then you're wrong too. Because that's why we have people can go into schools dressed up as, as the opposite gender and they're okay. It didn't just happen overnight, folks. <laughs> it happened when the Christian teachers didn't think much about, you know, speaking into their atmosphere. It happened when the Christian principals didn't think about speaking into their atmosphere. They're all afraid about what the law would do to them. I'm going to an open house tomorrow for Josiah. And the feedback I'm getting, I don't like. So I'm going to go in to see what this person looks like and decide if they're going to keep their job or not as far as the spirit is concerned. Do you know you can get people fired just from speaking in the spirit realm? You know you can make them resign from speaking into the spirit realm? Do you know all this? So you don't have to fight with people. You cut off the spirit that's at work. Because if you fight with a person, then the person leaves and they're upset at you. But somebody else will come in that's probably worse. You fight with the spirit. In the, our, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You cannot leave the stronghold active. You have to pull the stronghold down. Put the devil to work. When you show up somewhere, all the work he's been doing for years should come crashing down. Like, just boom. (laughs) Do you understand? And then he's got to labor to build it back up. And you're doing what you got to do in the meantime. And then when you see it raise its head, you just pull it down again. You don't have to sit there and watch so you could pull it. Don't even bother. Do what you got to do. <laughs> you understand? Do what you do. The work of the ministry. Live your life. Create a life that's pleasing to God. Build something. Think about your generation. Think about your children and your children's children. Break things off of them. This is the job you should be doing. You're not waiting for the devil to make his next move. Chorus number two. (laughs) Wealth and riches. You should say those words to yourself in the mirror and see what your feelings are about them. Wealth and riches. If you think somebody robbed you from being rich or, or even having a living wage or something, then... You are wrong. And you should change your thoughts towards that. Because the devil came and took the earth that God created for man. And God didn't go off crying. He had a plan. And he put his plan in place. God is our plan. When stuff goes awry, God is what we activate. Not evil thoughts towards the people. They're not my source. You know, several years ago, I don't know, maybe it's ten years ago now, eight years maybe, um, uh, there was a couple from here, from America, that visited the orphanage. And when they visited the orphanage, At the same time, 
there was a lady that was visiting that was uh, friends with my mom's, with my mom, best friend with my mom or something. So they were from still so somebody from America. I think that person was from the U.S. as well. Anyway, while this couple was there, they brought strife to the orphanage, but it wasn't detectable right away. So they would start setting strife. You know how somebody sets strife? They they make up stories and tell other people about other people, and they just back off and watch the people just like fight. Yeah, that's what they did. Uh, they did it so well that this woman, they start fighting with this woman about her time to do VBS with the kids. So <laughs> I wasn't much involved with the orphanage at that time, but my parents were there. My parents were physically on the premises, and they're having this argument about who took five minutes extra and who didn't. I'm like, my mom's calling me to tell me this. I said, What? It was so bad that the woman that was staying there packed up and left the orphanage. She was staying at the orphanage. She left the orphanage in the evening, which is pitch black and dangerous. You don't want to do that. That's how bad it was. This couple ran this woman out of the orphanage from the way they behaved and the strife they set. The woman never wanted anything to do with my parents or the orphanage or anything again. Well, I found out that that lady, the, one of the reasons for her visit was to uh, have custom-made dining room set for the kids, custom-made for the amount of kids we have, the size of the table we need, all this stuff, right? Well, that went away. So I found out about it, you know, close to when my parents were dying, and I thought, oh, no, 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 no. I'm getting my tables and chairs custom-made and more on top of that. Well, this week that happened. Isn't that awesome? Custom made, dining room, table, chairs, the whole thing, painted, all that. And then we also got two air conditionings for the girls' side. We're going to get appliances, all this. I was like, no, you don't let the enemy just steal and walk away. I don't care how many years it's been. You tell, you tell into the atmosphere, this must come back. And... It has to come back sevenfold because you're just getting away with that. You were holding my merchandise. You got interest off of it. I'm getting all of it. You see what I'm saying? So you're not some poor old somebody trying to live under the radar. You know, this is the other. What is this with Christians living under the radar? What? Whose radar are you trying to live under? (laughs) Think about it. Who's setting the bar for the radar? (laughs) You know, think, ah. when I worked in corporate America, they knew who I was. They were shocked that I was that. We never met a preacher's wife that talked like you. Well, good. I haven't met many, apparently. Because I wouldn't put up with stuff. You see what I'm saying? I wouldn't put up with stuff. I'd get up and announce, no, this is not happening. Mm-mm. And you have to start Making the right things known. It, you know, nobody has a problem voicing how they don't like something and get a crowd to go with them, don't you? If you don't like a family member and you find another family member to agree with you, boy, that's like easy peasy, let's do this. But what if you didn't like what they did because it was evil? 
and you voice that instead of they did you wrong. They didn't just do you wrong. They're probably doing everybody wrong. <laughs> so it's not, you're not that special. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Psalm 112.3. Great blessings and wealth fills the house of the wise, for their integrity endures forever. So here's what I want to ask you. If you feel that it is wrong to have wealth, great blessing and wealth, then you're saying that you're foolish. Read the verse again. Great blessing and wealth fills the house of the wise. So if you're saying, if your feelings are about riches and wealth, that that evil people have that. Or you got to be greedy to want that. That's a foolish statement. And a foolish feeling. And here's what's going to happen. If you think this way, you're going to think this way about people who are. You're going to think that they're greedy. They got the wealth in a bad way. They somehow robbed somebody to get it. It's even worse in the church. Oh, my God. If you see a rich preacher, well, that's just the end of all mankind. You know, uh, Josiah says that we're rich. And I don't disagree with him. (laughs) I just say, speak it into the atmosphere, brother. So much so that he is inviting friends to church with the expectation that I will be feeding them. wherever we choose to go eat. So much so that he, his lunches at school are two times what the normal lunch would be. As he came home one day to let me, and I said, you know, um, you're welcome to pack if you'd like, you know, there's, and then you could also buy a meal if you want. Well, mom, I mean, it's, too, it's, it's only this amount of money. Like, we're rich. I mean, it's no big deal. We're rich. Okay, well, yes, we are. I will not tell you otherwise. <laughs> If you are convinced that we are, then so be it. (laughs) You see how we could like lower ourselves to accommodate where we are, not where we want to be. So our little Josiah, we call him the little prophet because he'll say something and it'll just like happen. And so I just say, this is a good person to agree with. Sounds great to me. Like he came when he was like, when he was like two years old. Him and I were leaving. This is the first time I recognized it. When, when, I, when he, I was pregnant with Josiah, I would be in my office and I would see a vision of a meal. I would see everything about it. I would see what the takeout container looks like, how the food would be in the container, everything. And I would be like, I want that food, but I wouldn't know what restaurant had it. Like, I, didn't, I wouldn't know where to order it from. So I would get the name of a restaurant, so I'd call them up, and I'd ask them if they have this item, you know, whatever. they go, oh, yeah. When Doug would go pick it up and bring it to me, it would look exactly like I saw. And I'm like, oh, my God. So, <laughs> so this day we came out to the porch. We're going, we're going somewhere, and he comes out. It is the brightest sunny day ever. And he says, Mom, we need to get an umbrella. I said, oh, no, honey, look. 
He says, it's going to rain. I said, no. And I looked at my phone, you know, no rain in the forecast, nothing. No rain. No, honey. We're gonna be. We put our, step, our foot on the steps to go down and boom, rain. He said, see, mom, I told you. I was like, okay, well then, we need to start listening. <laughs> but wouldn't it be good to pass that down to your kids? You, know, you see the difference instead of, well, what do you think I made of trees? <sighs> it's still surgery. You're, you're doing all right. The uh, anesthesia is working well. <laughs> you're not feeling a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Psalm 119.72. <laughs> to start off your rich, wealthy, blessing life, there's one ingredient you have to have correct. Psalm 119.72. The words you speak to me are worth more than all the riches and wealth in the whole world. This doesn't mean that you replace having riches and wealth to have the word of God. It means when you have the word of God, it is richer than the wealth and the riches that you have. So no matter how rich and how wealthy you are, the word of God is still more valuable in your life than those things. You understand? You can't pay for strongholds to be removed. Who are you going to pay? (laughs) Who are you going to pay for pulling down strongholds? (laughs) Right? That That is an authority you've been given by God to speak over your own life. Do you see? That the word of God is that powerful to pull it down. You, you can live in a, in a way that when you enter a place, the strongholds crash. Because that's who you are. You pulled out, things fall. <sighs> There's so much. Listen to me. <laughs> Clean up your mindset. <laughs> Start developing strength in your mind. Have a strong mind. That's, you know, I was remembering this story today when I was uh, 17 years old and I got my first American job and I was a a nurse's aide. Oh, my gosh. I saw things I never thought I'd see in my whole life. Anyway, I trained as a nurse's aide. No, I was 16 years old. I was 16. Yeah, trained as a nurse's aide. My mom and I are working to, to take care of our family. Because my dad was still the overseer. He was traveling back and forth to the U.S. and guys, so he couldn't really have a job. So my mom and I are taking care of the whole household. So we go our first, so we trained. I was training with other nurses, you know, so it seemed easy, training. So my first day on my own was Thanksgiving Day, 1990, at Maple Farms Nursing Home, (laughs) 3 to 11 shift. I go to work, and I was supposed to be in one of the units I trained in. But no, it was a holiday, and the people called off. So I got an entire hall of of patients, 12 patients, all by myself, who were Alzheimer's patients, actively walking around. 
Here I am, this 16-year-old, fresh off the boat, girl. I go, I'm just like, okay. And I remember these older nurses looking at me like, are you going to be okay, honey? Oh, I'm going to be fine. I had no idea what I was in store for, right? The last room, I thought I'd start from the end and work my way, you know, introduce myself to all my people I'm going to take care of for the next eight hours. I'm just moseying along. I go to the first room. Miss Grace Harnish, yes, she stood up. And all they told me, she was the one they told me about, that she is very strong. So you don't want to get too close to her because she'll just, like, knock you out. Okay. I go in the room. Hello, Miss Grace. She gets up from her bed. She walks over to me. She comes right up. I mean, nose to nose. She goes, you monkey. And she started calling me the N-word. She said, where did you come from? You ugly looking. And she start. and I'm standing there. I, all I'm thinking is, oh, my God. I have to wait until 11 o'clock. I don't have a ride home. <laughs> this is what's going through my head. I am stuck here until 11 o'clock. And this is before cell phones. So she is going on and on, right? I'm just thinking how, this is not the job for me. Like, this is not the job for me. So apparently I started crying because, I mean, this woman is like lavishing me with words that I've never heard in my life. And all of a sudden, I guess I must have started crying. With no emotion, this water's coming out of my eye because I'm still thinking, how am I going to go home? And my mom's here. She'll have to go home too. Who are we going to call? <laughs> and the lady saw my tears and gave me the biggest hug. She's, she goes, honey, don't cry. What did they do to you? <laughs> oh, my, oh, my gosh. She's like, they, don't listen to them. They don't know what they're saying. I'm like, oh, yeah. She, so she's hugging me, like tightly hugging me. So I thought, I better return the favor because this woman's going to strangle me if I don't return the favor. Do you know her and I became best buddies? I was the only one that could give that woman a shower, that could have her get dressed, that could have her behave with any other human, act like a regular normal person and not a combative. I, it was just like mind-blowing. But the thing is, I always would give people the benefit of the doubt. That's just how I was. And... In some cases, the error. But in this case, it worked really good. <laughs> and I realized that every, when, so I had to give a report now, you know, at the end of the night, I'm how was your first day? Oh my gosh, we're so sorry. After that, everything was a breeze. Are you kidding me? This was the, this was like the worst patient on the floor everybody's warned about. As a matter of fact, some people just kind of let her do her thing and just watch out that she doesn't escape the building. That's pretty much what you do. She'll do whatever she wants, right? She was like having me pick out her clothing for her. She never, nobody could touch her clothes, nothing. I was Miss It for her. So, <laughs> and it was just, I stood there and this woman was just railing accusations against me, but I didn't take any of it in. I just, I guess I was crying because I just wanted to leave the job. I was like, this is not the job for me. <laughs> it was that job where I developed and grew patients, yes. And all the things I needed to learn, I learned right there before I went out into what God wanted me to do while I was here. It was a good training ground, right? But my point is, when I told the women what happened that have worked this type of job for like 20, 30 years, right? They were all offended on behalf of me. 
was like, it's no big deal. She, you know, she doesn't know what she's saying. Somewhere in her life, this was a big deal. And they got offended for me. And I was telling them it's no big deal. My point is, don't get offended for other people. Don't pick up causes that will make you feel good. Right? you got to be careful when you watch the news. Because if you're not careful, you're going to pick up causes for other people. If you watch the news, watch it to break strongholds, not to pick up causes. You, when you hear something going on in a school district, you break it. You say, no, that can't happen. And break it. <laughs> if, you're, if you find that you get mad at the people and start talking, you're not called to the pol political realm. Just shut it off and don't, just watch some movie. Seriously, you're just going to mix yourself up. If you're called to the political realm, you'll watch that stuff and you'll know what to pray. You'll know how to speak. You see? A couple years after that, I moved to a different nursing home. I was a pro at it now, man. I was really good. I could just go in there. And, and this older lady, very frail, she, uh, I never knew why they didn't assign me to that floor. Well, until one day, I was alone with the other nurse, and that lady had gotten so weak that it required two people to get her out of bed because she was so frail. She would literally break. So this nurse asked me to come in. When she saw me, she was like, she couldn't look at me. And I said, are you okay? She goes, I need her to leave. I need her. She could whisper. She was dying. <laughs> and the, the nurse said, ma'am, if she doesn't help you, we can't get you out. And she had to get up. And I went over to her. I said, so what? And the lady's like, I'm sorry, but she, because you're, you're not white. Because your skin is a different color. She has a, I said, oh, that's an easy fix. Come here. I said, and I'm getting closer to this woman, her eyes. She's like scared out of her. I said, I know what the problem might be. You think that if I touch you, you're going to get brown like me. But that's okay. Let's test it out. <laughs> let's see if, if, if I just like put my arm next to yours. Let's see if it's going to rub off. And she was like, I said, well, we try. are you willing to try? Well, okay. I mean, I guess she was scared because I was so close. So I rubbed my arm and put it, and I said, see, it's still there, nothing. She goes, oh. and I said, well, I'd be happy to help you. I really would, and then I, you don't have to see me again. I'll just help you this one time. So we did, put her in a chair. From that day on, I was her nurse now. Yeah. But do you see her feelings towards me could have caused me to have negative feelings towards her? Do you see? But if you live a life where people can't offend you, even if they try, you, the devil doesn't have any leverage. Think about I was 16 years old. Well, at that time, I was 17 or 18 by then. Do you see? You always live a life where you have the upper edge, and the way you have the upper edge is by the love walk, and the way you do the love walk is to not get offended. For your own life or for somebody else. Don't get offended on behalf of somebody else. If you want to help somebody, offense isn't how you help. If you want to help somebody, help them break strongholds. Show them how to do it. Don't get in with them and say, yeah, you're right. I know what they're like. So what if you do? It doesn't help the situation. Do you see, church? 
Colossians 2.3. And again, this is the passion. For our spiritual wealth is in him, like the hidden treasure waiting to be discovered. Heaven's wisdom and endless riches of revelation knowledge. When you get heaven's wisdom, riches are inevitable. The thing is, if you think badly about riches and rich people, you're not getting anything. It's not going to happen because you're naming yourself with evil. You're saying you're evil if you get it. Someone was telling Doug that they're not poor, but they're not rich either. I said, well, okay. It's bad to be poor, and it's also bad to be rich. So I guess, I wonder what the middle is, though. (laughs) Like... Did they give a number of what poor is and a number of what rich is (laughs) to make sure you're in the middle there? Do you see these crazy things? But they got it from the church somewhere because they're in church. They're not here, by the way. They're in church. Do you see? That's an evil thought. That phrase is evil. That's not from God. (laughs) That's an evil thought thought because that means you have put a limit on yourself as to how much you're willing to get from this earth to do the work that needs to be done you put a limit on yourself as to how you want to be identified as being part of the kingdom of god you're more afraid of what people will say and call you if you are too rich do you know to be blessed is to be envied? If, you, if any area of your life is not enviable, it's not yet blessed. Look at the subject matter. If somebody envies your marriage relationship, check it off as blessed, bro. We blessed. <laughs> Anybody envy the house you're living in? Got the blessing on it. Yeah. What would it look like if people are, are envious that you're not going to take them on and their little nonsense? Imagine somebody trying to get you mad and it's not working. That's blessed. Because they're going to envy that. If you don't want to be envied and you want to be liked, you got a problem. You're living below. Jesus didn't care about that. He didn't care about that at all. Evident by the way he operated. Amen? Okay. Here's my challenge to you because, you know, I couldn't sing the whole song for you. I, I'm at the bridge in the ending, but it didn't happen. I want you to go to Deuteronomy 28 for yourself. This is your homework. <laughs> this is the aftercare of surgery. <laughs> go to Deuteronomy 28, and I want you to look and see if where it says, you know, you're blessed coming in, you're blessed going out, you're the head, not the tail, your enemies will come at you one way and flee seven ways, all those things, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about someone saying that's who you are? 
If you have a problem with being any of those things, what that means is you are going to hold yourself back from fully becoming that. And the way to hold yourself back from fully becoming that, you're going to have to disobey God. Let's just go one, let's look at one thing in it so you can get this. Deuteronomy 28, and then we're going to close. The kids are done, and I got to close. The good news is Pastor Doug is back next Wednesday. Josiah's clapping about the whole thing. I don't know what that means, but okay. I won't get offended, thank you. (laughs) Deuteronomy 28. And here's how it goes. If you, this is the amplified, switching to the amplified there, Josh. If you will listen diligently to the voice of the Lord your God, being watchful to do all his commandments, which I command you this day, the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. Can you handle being above all the nations that are present in your presence when you're somewhere? If you think that's being too proud, then honey, you are, you are at the cusp. You are right there at the threshold of walking in disobedience. You're a prime target for the devil to say, we got us a hot one right there. Mm-hmm. Verse 2. I'm just saying, in order to not have this, you have to disobey God. That's really what it's saying, isn't it? Okay, verse 2. All this mediocre stuff you've been thinking about, well, we want to stay right in the balance in the middle. That ain't from God. Okay. Verse 2. And all these blessings, if you just want some, I'll just leave some for other people. That's from the devil because you are implying God doesn't have enough for his children. Verse 2. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Wait, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. That's of the devil. (laughs) This was the gist of my message, but it's already at the end, so you're going to have to go get revelation for yourself. (laughs) But if I told you this in the beginning, you wouldn't have been able to handle it because you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you heed the voice of the Lord your God. So if you don't want the full of this, you got to stop listening to God at some point and say you've heard enough. Verse 3. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. So if you think you're only called to one particular thing, And you can't do another thing. You are also wrong. (laughs) And thinking evil thoughts. (laughs) Blessed shall you be. Okay, verse 4. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your beast, the increase of your cattle and the young of your flock. If you think your children are going to go to hell, you are thinking evil. Because the fruit of your body is your children. And it's also what you produce besides children, the work you do. If you keep, I can never do anything right. You are thinking and speaking evil. You have evil thoughts in your mind that need to be arrested. You might need double handcuffs for some of them. It is not of God. 
It is not humility. It is not kindness. It is not godly. It is not wisdom for you to leave a little bit of imperfection in there so you can say you're human. It's not. We are supposed to be going from glory to glory, not back off if we got too high. (laughs) Not leave some for other people because we don't want to take it all. Who are you to decide that you got all? (laughs) How do you know what the treasury of heaven has? Who are you to decide? That's pride. This is my dad right here. This is what he would have done, okay? Do you see what I was trying to get to the whole time? If you go now and take that and you go read Hebrews chapter 11, that is what we call the hall of faith. And you see what those people did, the exploits that they did. The reason they could do all those things is based on Daniel 11:32, Because they knew their God. They could do exploits. If your feelings about God is middle ground, we want to stay under the radar. We don't want to get anybody upset. You are operating in evil. And we just took the cancer out. We're going to set it off in the side. And now we're going to close it all up. You were not designed by God. You were not born again to accommodate evil. You were born again to think with the mind of Christ. That's the mind that was put inside of us. Not the mind of this world. Do you realize that if you lived in a community of all multi-billionaires, you would try to be a billionaire? Do you realize that? So if you're living in a community where it's a bunch of people who are happy just to have the next meal, do you know that that's as far as you're going to think? Do you see? Don't let the devil condition you based on where you are in his world system. We are in this world, but we're not of it. We have to keep our eyes on Deuteronomy 28, Hebrews 11. We have to keep our eyes on Psalm 119. Keep our eyes on Psalm chapter 1. Keep our eyes in the book of Daniel. Keep out, That's our world. This is our world. Not that. But if you're embarrassed, to live it at a high level and even say the words, then you are entertaining evil in your mind and you haven't arrested it. And you're having them eat right with you. Oh. <sighs> okay. That's all the surgery we're going to do today. <laughs> Did you learn something? So I know it's 10 minutes till 8, but my instruction was to pray for whoever would like to be prayed for. So we can get our purpose activated. The purpose of God in you was not to come into whatever community you're living in and just try to maintain and be like them. We're supposed to, the Bible says, ask of me, I'll give you the nations. 
to even tell somebody to buy, to buy a neighborhood, it would be like, who do you think you are? When God says, I would like to give you nations, do you know what's happening in the Middle East right now? They're, they're building their own country out of sand. They're taking an entire wilderness and building a whole country. They literally got themselves a nation. Non-born-again men. They created for themselves a nation and named it and everything. And the Christians are trying to figure out how they can win the schools and win the community. Come on! Let's stand. Could you play that song, I Know Who I Am? Actually, you know what? We're going to go offline. Let's do it this way. Uh, Stand up. We're going to go offline. Sorry, everybody offline. Sorry. Sorry.